0: Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of LiveHealthy.ae, and this is the LiveHealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Live Healthy podcast. We have Helen Farmer, who is a longtime resident of Dubai, editor and journalist. Uh, People tune into her daily afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. I've been on a guest on that show too. It's a wonderful experience. And people follow the adventures of her family, her young daughters, Phoebe and Tabitha, uh, her husband, Nick, via her blog and social media. She's the mothership DXB. Um, And I think you call yourself a mummy blogger, but I get the sense that you're not like very proud of that. You don't want I don't it. like it. I don't
1: like it. It's something I have to try and make peace with, but I'm a mum and I blog. But I even think that the notion of blogging has changed a lot over the last few years, you know, going from kind of longer form to kind of micro blogs through social media. And I think a big part of that is to do with people's attention spans. And I post something on a website. Can people be bothered to click through? Sometimes they can, if they're going to get information such as like a resource, like on your website, but would people want to read, I don't know. I think it's more about getting information uh, through Instagram more than anything. But I haven't, in lieu of another phrase, name, label, we'll yeah. go with mummy blog. But it's, this is going to be very strange for me because I'm used to being the one asking the question. So you might find yourself being, I might try and flip it back on you. <laughs>
0: that happened last night with a journalist and she's like, why are you talking to me? I'm like, no, we're talking about you.
1: <laughs> I'll try. I'll give myself a slap if it happens.
0: First of all, I'm very interested in children. I don't have any children of my own and I'm fascinated by the experience because whenever I'm overwhelmed, I always think, what on earth would I do if there was one, let alone two tiny humans wandering around here? So all my respect. And I'm just always so curious and am, and in awe of the women that I know who do this and do this while working, but it's hard when you're not working because then you're home all the time. So-
1: oh my goodness. I don't think either one is the, the easy option by... A long way, and I do feel like there has been some kind of movement to understand and empathize what working mums and stay at home mums, because they're absolutely working, it's just not in an office space, um, are going through. And it used to be a bit more of a kind of a tribal thing this is what we do, this is what we do. And I feel like that there's been a bit more of a middle ground and understanding. And I think this year has gone an awful long way to blurring those lines and, and bridging those gaps as well, because working from home challenging for a lot of people. I've been in the studio every day. I haven't really had that kind of lockdown working from the sofa experience, but I know a lot of parents have had to do that and have understood the stresses and strains and joys as well of being with the kids from wake up to to bedtime, plus distance learning.
0: How have you been coping with COVID in your house? How has it affected you and everyone's mood and well being? Well,
1: my kids are three and a half and five and a half, nearly four and nearly six. Really. Um, so I think they're probably a bit more resilient and understanding than um, we perhaps realise. They can be quite accepting of things, you know, we can't go here because of the virus and this is happening. And But equally, there's the, a very simplistic way of going, well, why can't we ask Google who started the virus? When Does Google know when the virus is going to be over? And there's outrage that we haven't got the answers. Um, but, you know, we're very fortunate here in the UAE that those kind of the really tough restrictions where we needed permits um, was during a nice time of year you know that kind of March April time and we're lucky enough to have a garden so we were in the paddling pool a lot we were on the trampoline a lot and as I said I was in the studio every day so I was given special access to go into the office so I was able to get that headspace but an awful lot of people didn't and I think where my kind of trying to make peace with it is that I'm a really, I like being out and busy and doing, doing this and going there. And I think that comes back to being a journalist and wanting to share discoveries and information. And when that wasn't available to me, it was a real shift of, okay, we're gonna be busy, but we're gonna do it here. So I went through these kind of mad obsessions of working out from home, like hardcore, or you know addicted to jigsaws, or you know,
0: you know just these- Whatever.
1: And I think a lot of people have done that, like the baking or the, you know, we've seen these little patterns of behaviour. And we did little things like we made a time capsule back in April when things were were strict, which I haven't looked at yet. And I'd be really interested to do that. The kids are back at school now. And I think that was a decision that a lot of parents had to really weigh up when schools reopened. You know, do we put them back in the classroom in September? Um, You know, what measures are schools taking um, on a day to day basis in a kind of a big... um, bigger picture as well and there's no right or wrong there either or you know all you can do is is make a judgment based on your circumstances and you know we've got so many families here in the uae who for cultural uh nationality reasons might live with their grandparents they might be vulnerable you know children with um, immune issues or have simply really thrived with distance learning some kids really enjoyed it and it, it was a great way of them learning so i feel like that was a big decision but ultimately we love the kids school and we trust them And we wanted them out of the house. So they're back in the classroom now.
0: (laughs) I'm hearing conflicting reports of how they are coping with the differences in their education and wearing masks. And, you know, sometimes I hear kids are really resilient and they love being back with their classmates. And then I hear I've heard teachers say they're not okay. The kids are not okay. So I just what's just with your own little. Micro-cal-
1: well, they're they're loving being with their friends. So when you go into the classroom, it's, it's split into two. So they have two bubbles. They have the camels and the falcons. um So they'll immediately go to their bubbles So yes, it's a class, but it's effectively split, and they don't mix outside their bubbles. And we've had the the bubble song of them saying, you know, don't break the bubble because it's not safe. And I'm like, this is, this is just gonna, is this gonna cause long term damage, or is this generation gonna grow up wanting to wash their hands 30 times a day? We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't know yet. Um, and I feel like there's some little kind of nuances in terms of behaviours day to day. Like they're not supposed to be sharing toys very much. And that's quite a strange thing to be communicating to kids that you mm-hmm. should be sharing with our friends. But you can't share that. So that I think that's a bit confusing. And then there's the, the, the little things like, am I not old enough to wear masks at school, but the teachers are. So, we, you know, we come into school and we go through a tent that, where temperatures are taken and there's sanitising and things like that when you take a step back it is mental <laughs> mm. but you know it, it could be it could be an awful lot worse I'm just happy that they're back in a routine because I feel like a lot of kids really struggled being out of that routine for certainly that first term and this is my kids who I would say are generally neurotypical but we've seen very um, difficult situations with children who might be on the autism spectrum whose anchors and routines and people who are in their lives are just essential to their well-being and their behaviours. And then that was taken away. And then it was summer and that was taken away and then it's back at school and things have changed again. Uh, So I think everyone's having very, very different experiences of what's ultimately a shared human experience. Um, And I think the most important thing is to kind of try to not judge, to be like, you make your decisions based on your informed decision and what feels right to you as a parent and
0: kind of let everyone else get on with it. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. It's the most beautiful, that's a beautiful sentiment I wish everyone would listen to. But, you know, hard times, hard times divide us so that the more people who are trying to do this, I think it's helps our, you know, frequency. Now, I am curious, just, I want to go way back. Did you always want children?
1: Ooh, I've always been quite maternal. So I was, oh, hang on the dog, you might hear some dog barking. Um, So I always had like the dollies and the tea parties and, and all of that. Um, so yes, I did, and I um, I would have these kind of like a big aches so of like oh I can't wait to have babies. But because I've only got a younger brother and no younger cousins, I didn't actually know what that looked like, if that makes sense. And then I moved to Dubai, so I moved to Dubai when I was 24, and a lot of my friends back home, my kind of school friends, were having kids before me, so I wasn't around that either. Whereas a lot of people in Dubai choose not to have children, or they choose to have them later. So I was kind of among the first in my friendship group to have kids here, so it all felt like a bit of a, a bit of an unknown. So thank God for Loretta, who is in the house, who um. And when you're saying before, you know how how do people juggle with working and kids? One thing I'm really passionate about is giving credit where credit's due, and I couldn't do anything uh, without the help and support and love of Loretta, who's been with us since. Uh, I think I was six months pregnant when she joined joined oh, wow. the family. Okay. Um, but you do see a lot of women and families who create this impression of like, yeah, I'm a boss babe, I do it all. I mean like, mm, do you do you, do you do it all? And it's it's a massive disservice to to the women who who are in your life and and, and helping and, and part of the family. But it's also really misleading for, to other parents who think, well, if she can do it, why can't I? Like, well, she's not actually doing it. You know, there's people and Processes in place that support the time and the headspace for her to do other things. And by not acknowledging that, it's really not very fair on anybody. But yes, I did want to have children. It's not what I pictured. I think I always thought I'd be like a mum to boys. I don't know why. Um, and then I married my husband, who is one of two boys. And he told me quite early on, it's all boys in his family. Right, right. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then I saw the, the family tree, and it's literally hundreds of years of. James's, William's, Jock's, William, James, blah, blah. Um, So he assumed he'd have boys and then have the scan, and it's Phoebe, and I could see him just go, What? What to do? We didn't talk for about three days. Really? (laughs) And then I, so yeah, I think Phoebe was the first girl in something like 184 years to be born in his family. And then we had another one. So we kind of broke the mold a little bit there, but He's a wonderful dad of girls. It's interesting the traits that having, that. you know, individual kids, but also the genders bring out in parents as well. And now I see boys in cafes or you know, and play dates. I'm like, oh,
0: they all have that same scream. They all have that same ah! you know, like I hear it all over the country. Yeah, I'm like, like oh my nephew. God. Yeah, it's this hilarious little boy scream of just pure delight in like, him.
1: Uh, like sweat and mud and and that's not to say my girls sit there and you know they do their little you know dollies or anything they are they're quite disgusting in a lot of ways but the energy level seems to be very very, especially at this age where they've got a lot of you know pent-up aggressions and energies yeah I look at mum's boys and I'm like wow you've got some mental strength and your house is probably a disaster area. How
0: did you how is how How has it changed you in ways that you, because they talk about, I like the concept of Mm. conscious parenting and how your children sort of bring things out in you and force you to face things. Has that happened for you? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of
1: parents or people who want to become parents are concerned about having children because by nature we're selfish beings. And then you have this little person who's completely vulnerable and dependent on you, and you can't have your lions, you can't be hungover, you can't, well you can, but it's horrible. Um, but you know, you, you're you not the priority anymore. And for some people that actually sits really well and they've got a nurturing instinct and for some people it's like, well, I don't want to change my life just because there's kids in it. Um, and I think for women, perhaps more than men, like something visceral changed in me and I can't, it's really hard to explain. But you know, you hear about that kind of mama bear instincts, And that wasn't necessarily the case from the beginning, but you can feel very vulnerable as a parent because you've got this little person, you know, there's this quote about, you know, having choosing to have children is momentous. It's like wearing your heart outside your body. And I think that's so true. Like you're so vulnerable. You know, there's all these tropes in movies and books about you want to get someone like you threaten their family. And I never was like, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. And now I'm like, if you threaten my kids, like I would, you know, I would kill you, you know? And we're talking about bullying a lot at the moment because of anti-bullying week. And I thought of someone bullying my kids, I'm like, I'm like, rationally, I would deal with this as a process in the school and I would speak to them. And the other part of me is like, I will wait for you after school and I will rip your tiny
0: head off. You know, there's <laughs> <You know? laughs> something like. You know, my um, mom was a, a very mild-mannered nurse, but she used to tell me when I was little, I, would, I, could, I could kill someone with my bare hands. If they tried mm. to hurt you, and I'd be yeah. like, I'm not sure you could, but like, that's, I love the sense of it.
1: Yeah, I, I think I could. So th- th- there's, there's that. And then I think for me, this is a really fun age. I love the kids at kind of nearly four, nearly six, because we can have conversations and they're funny. Like they are, re- they are funny. Their questions are hilarious. Oh, you know, we've we had questions. things like no, last, no. last night it was like, how much meat is on a seahorse? Like, I don't know how many coins are there in the world? You know, like that. It, 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 you know, it's this kind of bizarre chat, but you can have a back and forth and it's a lot of fun. Like the stuff they doing, they like doing, I love doing. Like I love swimming and I love you know, climbing and playing on the beach and kind of rediscovering that sense of fun and play is actually really lovely um, because I am actually quite a playful person. My husband less so, so he finds a, a bit of a disconnect and he can feel a bit awkward. Mm playing and, oh yeah, she's doing this today, where does she live? And I'm like, let's build a zoo! You know, but but I think every parent will have an age where they feel like they're most comfortable with their kids. And for Nick, that might be when they're studying and he can help them with that, or he's very artistic. So when they start wanting to do more arts and crafts and collaborating on projects together or building things, like that's gonna be his his thing. Um, But it's very easy to feel feel self-judgment when you don't feel like you're doing a good job at, like, the play, you know?
0: That self-judgment is a good question because I think it stands in the way of all of us, right? Like that voice in your head that tells you you're not doing this right, you're not, you're just, you're not right. You know, like a lot of, once you realize that voice, it becomes a lot easier. But how in parenting, how did you deal with that? Because that must be, like, deafening all
1: the time. It's all the time, it's all the time and I'm very, very, very lucky that I like what I do because that would make life better. Uh, that would make life even more challenging to be getting up and going to a job that I hated yep. and having to be away from the kids at the same time. And um, the kids call me every day before, when they get home from school. So that's before I start the show at two. And I'll be like, was, how was your day? And they go, it was great. And Tabby, who's a three-year-old, go, why are you at work for so long? Can you come home? And she asks every day. Yeah. And we often, they, they'd be like, you know, are you at work today? Are we at school tomorrow? Da, 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 da. And they, I know that they crave that time together. And that's something that I'm, I'm still trying to reconcile. Like, I, I don't want to look back and think, God, I'm never going to get that time back. But equally, that's the same for my career. I'm never going to get this time back. So trying to... I don't feel like anyone feels like they're really bossing it. I feel like everyone's just trying to do their best. And as I said, I'm lucky that I do something I enjoy. So when I say to the girls, they go, why do you have to go to work? I'm like, well, today I'm talking to so-and-so and, and, you know, we're doing this. And this is how it makes me feel. And, you know, do you like having shoes? Because work pays for shoes. You know, like that, you know, you can kind of explain the rational side, but also the emotional side. And they, what they find, they find what I do, obviously it's it's quite an unusual job talking on the radio, like they, they're into it. I'll turn on and be like, oh, that's mummy, you know, which, which is really nice. Because I am kind of there in the afternoons if they're at home with the radios on.
0: But in a way, aren't you showing them a, a really good lesson at the I same time? So. I think so. Like from the outside. I, I hope so. Them- I, mean, I mean, it's not sorry about being
1: like successful in a career. I think it's more to do with finding something that you really enjoy. And that's all I want for them. I mean, currently, Tabby wants to be a mummy and a doggy doctor okay. her, and um phoebe wants to be she wants to be a dog trainer since she was two uh, a dog trainer who specifically teaches dogs how to surf niche very specific um and an artist and an athlete i'm like yeah all good options um so i hope i <laughs> i hope i am kind of inspiring them in 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 yeah. some way maybe without them even realizing it but the guilt is very very real I, you know i I'm very conscious that, you know, perhaps on some days I don't spend that much time with them. Yeah. And I'm always like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. be with you in a minute. Yeah. And, you know, we all know that, yes, when you get home, you should put your phone in a different room and blah, blah, That would be lovely. It's definitely something I could work a bit harder on. Okay, but if it, it makes you feel any better.
0: When I was young, I remember saying to my mom, I was crying, I got in trouble or something. And I remember saying, but you're always working. And she didn't, she worked part-time. And I didn't mean it. I knew when I said it. I didn't mean it. I didn't yep. mind if she worked. I had fun. It was the most <laughs> manipulative thing I've ever said in my life, I think, still. Because <laughs> I knew it would mm-hmm. hurt her. Like, I was smart enough, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and I think... I think, I think a little you manipulative. You know, kids are... A, yeah, they're
1: <laughs> smart. They go for the jugular. Um, but I think when I take a big step back, I feel, I feel like it does make me a better mum because... I really do enjoy the time that we spend together when we are together. Um, and I'm productive at work so I can come home and be with them. And it's maybe made me better at my job because i you know, in terms of um, being more productive in that time, you know, I'm not like, oh, I'll just have a look at the Daily Mail, you know, I'm, I'm very much like bam, let's be productive. Let's do this. Da, da, da. Let's get home. So I can be with the kids. Um, so yeah, I rationally know that this, this makes sense for us as a family right now. But minute to minute, sometimes day to day, do I feel guilty and, and regretful about it? Yeah, I do
0: too. Um, something I hear frequently, it sounds like you've worked out a good relationship with your nanny and you've have a long-term relationship, but you hear a lot, I'm sure, of whinging about- ah, I thank books full of it. Yeah, and I hear a lot of people not able to communicate even with their nanny about what they actually want. Those are the complaints I hear where it seems like, I feel like this would, I mean, I don't know, I don't have one, but it feels like people can't really talk what are your, like, what's your experience and advice for people to navigate that relationship?
1: We have a unicorn, to be honest. It's not very helpful, I know. But I think they're out of being a bit a bit older and having kids and grandkids and having great sense of initiative and intuition and knowing the kids since they were babies um, and us feeling like we, you know, we're all on the same page when it comes to discipline and values to an extent. Um this is not helpful information because it basically means what you need to do is go back in time Get a bit different and find someone amazing. <laughs> but it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's still a fraught relationship for so many families, even though it's effectively something that should make life easier. And I remember quite early on, I think maybe was only a couple of weeks, Nick and I going out for dinner and him saying like, oh, isn't that amazing Like having Loretta make things so easy and so simple and so uncomplicated. And I was like, hey, listen, there's no argument from me, Like, you know, with the practical home side, that's incredible, but it's still a complicated relationship, and I got quite jealous about dynamics. And looking back, ah. I was in this hormone fog of like, I don't want anyone to touch my baby, you know, and I, I really, you know, was, was upset about it. And now, actually quite quickly, I, I kind of understood that the rest is theirs, as, as their friend to play and to help, and I'm their mum. And that relationship is always going to be very defined. But even though at the time, hormones mud- muddied the waters quite a lot, a lot.
0: Did you have a long time to struggle with that? Hormones?
1: Mm, with Phoebe, I was really lucky. With Phoebe, I looked down and I was like, oh, she's a beautiful child you could ever imagine. And I was just like, the heart eyes, you know, like in cartoons. And, you know, looking back, she was this skinny little hairy worm, <laughs> these massive like bush baby eyes um but that was like a very instant love connection and then the hormones were just the normal hormones and then with Tabitha um the hospital kind of birth and after birth experience was um a bit more challenging and we didn't necessarily bond as quickly as I'd had with Phoebe and I had got postnatal depression so it took about maybe three to six months for me to realize that this wasn't just the normal hormones that actually I did need to go and speak to somebody so I have an amazing GP so I went to see her and she was like I think we need to get some medication which I'm still on now to this day and it's working for me and I'm a big advocate of knowing yourself and knowing ultimately what can help you but that's me that's me as second time mum first time I'm, I don't know what would have happened I don't know what would have happened I don't I would have had the wherewithal the confidence to go to a doctor and say this is not good um so I would urge anyone who's struggling or anyone whose partner is struggling to it's, it is amazing the help that's out there both you know talk therapy and medication and, and things like that but you've got to know that you need help and you need to know that getting help doesn't make you weak or a bad parent or anything like that, because that's garbage.
0: Everyone talks about screens and kids and devices and internet and Wi-Fi. And what do you do? What do you worry about this stuff? How do you navigate it? What's your your philosophy?
1: We are kind of in uncharted waters as parents in this generation because these are kids growing up who've never not known the internet. They haven't had the, that awful dial-up ringtone and your mum getting on the phone being like, get off the internet, I need to ring your nana. You know, that, that kind of dynamic. They're there, there being like, well look, I've got Netflix and I've got OSN and oh, here's Apple TV and I can watch whatever I want at any time. And there's me going, when I grew up, there were four channels. And there was no TV before 7 a.m. You know, they're like, what are you you talking about? Um, So in some ways, it is a massive blessing. It is for sheer occupation and keeping them occupied rather and education. Definitely. Like they talk about things that they wouldn't have come in contact with if it wasn't for YouTube kids, not normal YouTube, YouTube kids and TV. Do I rely on it? it's funny, it's interesting you ask this question now because my mum and dad are here and they've been here for two weeks and the kids have me on the iPad once. Ah, interesting. When they leave, there is your yeah. extra parent. Um, but it is something I worry about. Um, distance learning was very, very, very screen-based and that wasn't ideal um, because you get kids who are distracted and like, ooh, Yes, we'll watch this nursery ram on YouTube and we'll talk we'll talk about, you know, the goat on the boat sound. Oh, but look, here's someone building a Lego beam castle, and they, you know, next thing you know, you're trying to desperately bring them back to the topic at hand. Um, we're not at an age now where I'm worried about cyberbullying or you know, internet predators and things like that. But that is definitely gonna be part of the future in the conversation. Um and speaking of kind of anti-bullying week, you know, we were just saying the other day that I grew up at a time where it was all about, this is how we cross the road. Yeah. This is how you, this is you putting your seatbelt on, clunk, click, you know, all that stuff. Or in other parts of the world, this is how you, you know, slip, stop, but get your sun cream on. Um, and it is happening now. It definitely is happening. But that online safety has to be part of the daily conversation in schools and at home because it isn't going anywhere and the more we can do to make our kids aware of potential dangers but also I don't I feel like screens are so demonized and that's really is sorry dogs um that's (laughs) it's a bit naive to be that black and white about it like anything you know TVs were invented and everyone's like oh my god the TV is the demon um and now there's always going to be something that's a threat to parenting and a threat to the family unit and the you know this time spent together. There's always going to be something, and at the minute, right now, it's
0: probably the iPad. Um, but yeah. there are massive pluses as well. We well, need them to be literate. Like they're going to live in this world. They're probably going to be code, right. know how to code and all this stuff. You can't like whenever I hear this, you know, it's sort of Gary B says this. He's like, don't worry about it because your kids are getting so much from it um, that they're and also they're, they're ultimately learning how
1: to do. Whatever their job will be, like the the fact of the matter is, in 15 years' time, when my kids are going into the workplace, they'll be doing jobs that probably don't exist now. So to try and hold them against the standards that I had growing up of this is how you learn this and this is what this is what school looks like, it's it's nonsense because we're preparing them hopefully for a world that's very different to the one we're currently in. Yeah. So it's 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 just another thing to feel guilty about, and I refuse to feel that guilty about it.
0: Yes! Yay! Do you have have you made a phone policy when you'll buy them their own phone? Because I hear that pressure is early.
1: I think it's getting younger and younger. Um ten? No, because I they ha- haven't asked. Okay. Apparently apparently eight is the average for a smartphone. I think what I mean, do I want my kids to have a more expensive phone than me? No. Would it be useful for them to have a phone that they could call me after after school activities or you know whatsapp loretta sure but that probably will be about 10 i hope i mean who knows we got an email yesterday about these are devices that you need to bring into school at certain years and so it begins the expense of it all yes um yeah but these are the big topics like how much pocket money do you give how much money does the tooth fairy give uh what age they get the phone how many hours do you allow screen time and what i found from pregnancy all the way through to parenting is people ask these questions as a way of kind of validating their own decisions and I'm definitely guilty of that as well and that can be what stroller should we get and I'll be like get the bugaboo chameleon it's amazing because this 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 and in my mind I'm like I spent five grand on that so if you make the same decision as me that means that I made the right decision and that makes does that make sense and that and that is the case across the board for so many things to do with parenting.
0: What what does the tooth fairy leave for a tooth? I'm curious, in case I lose one. Well,
1: we had this uh, about a month ago. Phoebe lost her first tooth, which was like a weirdly emotional milestone. It's like, she's got a grown-up tooth now. Um, Because it was her first, the tooth fairy left 20 dirhams and a new toothbrush. But we have said moving forward, 10 dirhams.
0: Okay, good. 10 dirhams are going right. Um, What would you go back and tell yourself, maybe, about this experience just now, just when you're with her almost four and six? is there anything you'd say, Hey, that's sort of a silly question, but I'm just always. No, it's
1: not. I'm just thinking, I was thinking, I mean, probably to enjoy them as much as possible because there is this lovely silliness to it all. And I often expect them to act older than their age and to be more mature and to, you know, enjoy doing certain things. And that's just not realistic. My husband's the same. He'd be like, why can't you sit quietly? I'm like, she's two. yeah she's three yeah and you know we had the kids quite close together and I was very conscious of when Tabby came along as a new baby that I try and not be to my two-year-old but oh, you're a big kid now I'm like she's two <laughs> so, so trying to not make them grow up too fast because I think kids these days are growing up too fast anyway so to have fun to be outside to be physical to um the, uh, what i'm think I'm trying right now is to to kind of model good behavior good behavior around food and um you know kind of body image and exercise and that become just something that we do as a family, so going for a bike ride, the food thing is more complicated well they are picky
0: a mom of two girls and you know. You, you've gotten very healthy in the last couple of years, but they, I think they do say that, um, you know, mother's influence can, the, you know, the comments girls hear through their life and how many times do we say I'm fat or I don't feel better or whatever. So how is that? No been? doubt. Yeah, how's that been it's, it,
1: Especially going back a few years ago. So I, I love having a bath with the girls. Like I, I, I really enjoy it. It's, I mean, if they've got bigger. It's <laughs> like
0: it's crowded in there.
1: <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> but you know when they were newborns and you know I love it I love being in water my kids are the same um but they would do things like you know slap you know think think all these funny noises and it would take like a real effort to not kind of take their little hands off my tummy and you know not to feel self-conscious about it now I'm like look here's mama in her pants here you know so I am very conscious of my, although we did have an interesting incident on the beach a few weeks ago. I don't know where they get things. And Tabby just went. She pointed at a woman on the beach who, thankfully, was wearing headphones. She went, "Mummy, look at that big fat lady." And I was like, "I don't know what to do about this. Like, do I say you can't say that? That's not a nice word. Because I don't want to start attaching meaning to words like fat. Like, I can just, you know, she's just saying what what she sees. But I was like, oh, not, I mean, I don't know." I don't know what we do about that. So it is something I'm conscious about, like, you know, not being like, oh, I hate this or, oh, this dress is too small. Mm -hmm. But then they are going to be picking up issues from all sorts of places. So as long as it feels like at home, that food is not good or bad, you know, we're not feeling terrible about how we look and we're active and we move. But yeah, the food, the, the picky eating is... It will resolve in time. They will not go to university or, or into the wider world just eating plain pasta. Okay. I
0: hope. <laughs> I hope. So. Well, it does seem like that for a long time that that's all they'll eat. Beige. It's hilarious how kids just eat. They have salty and then they move into that. What are your, say, what's right now your top like tip or trick for kids your age?
1: Um, I've been quite worried about the resilient side. So about easy crying. Um, and I think... Um, what I'm trying to do now is show the kids that grown-ups make mistakes too, that we're not these kind of infallible beings of perfection and um, what we found during distance learning is it was great in some ways but then Phoebe got back into the classroom and she's become very self-conscious about getting things wrong or people laughing at her. I think a big part of that was during that term she didn't see any of her classmates trying something and, and failing or getting it wrong or getting a different answer or whatever. So she didn't experience that. Um, and she'll even say, if I write a shopping list or something, she'll go, why is your writing so good? I'm like, well, I'm 38. I've had, you know, quite a bit more time to practice than you. So I'm trying to show her that we don't always know the answers and that we do make mistakes. And that can be something really small, like if I'm parking outside the house, I'll be like, oh, I got it wrong, let's try it again. And oh, I got it wrong again, let's try So I am just, I just want them to be okay with, failing sometimes and not to be uh, not to be a big deal oh that's amazing
0: well listen thanks helen i could talk to you all day about this i like (laughs) i'll get you on my show next yeah yeah (laughs) no but thank you it's been it's felt like free therapy oh good i like to provide that service thank you so much (laughs) thank you amory talk to you soon that's it for this week If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.